0: Next step number seven hundred and twenty-eight, May nineteenth, twenty twenty-two.
1: Hi there, this is Susie from In His Shoes Ministries. Thanks for tuning into the Next Step with Father Vazgen. We are the voice of Orthodoxy, a weekly podcast started in two thousand eight that looks at life through the lens of Armenian Orthodoxy. If you're joining us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. In these weekly episodes, you will find that Father Voskin's messages are timely, thought-provoking, and based on the solid principles of Christ's love, faith, and hope. Now, let's get ready to take the next step.
0: Was there or is there something in your life? Something like an object, perhaps a doll, a glorified doll, a teddy bear. Do you have something like that in your life that acted as a surrogate? Where you could, a surrogate for someone close? Something you can wrap your arms around, something that you can hug, something that you can talk to to take away the loneliness. Someone who understood you without answering back, right? George Harrison did this beautiful piece back with the Beatles called While My Guitar Gently Weeps. subsequently has been played not only by the Beatles, but a beautiful rendition of it by his friends who did a memorial for, uh, for George, including Eric Clapton, Ringo Starr, Paul McCartney, all there. And uh, you know what? I'll put a link on today's show notes. Do check out. It's a beautiful concert version of it. But uh, this song, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, he transposes his emotions into the guitar, into this inanimate object, which now has a life of its own. It's weeping. And this is the beauty of poetry. This is the beauty of music. And now this this object, this guitar is gently weeping. And of course, he's talking about his dismay over the world's, you know, the potential for love. And, uh, you know, in lines like, the love there that's sleeping the love is there but it's sleeping we're we're not tapping into it and he's reflect he, he's taking his emotions putting it into the guitar and the guitar is now Weeping. Why do we do this? Why not just say it? Why? Well, because poetry has a beauty to it, right? Poetry has a way of conveying a universal language that if I just stood up and said, you know, I'm really upset that the world is not loving, you'd say, well, tough luck, man. But look how beautiful it is. A guitar gently weeping. Back uh, earlier than George Harrison, actually right around the same time, back in the 60s, a um, a minstrel, a traveling minstrel, Armenian minstrel, named Ashwat Arustamian, wrote a beautiful piece called Yegim Taras, Come to Me, My Tar. Tar, tar is, of course, this beautiful uh, Persian-Armenian instrument that is played. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard to explain. It's got a very, very long neck. I'll have a link on today's show notes to all of this stuff so you can check it out. Yeah, you'll have fun in today's show notes, okay? But um, he he played this song. It was an ode, a ballad to his tar, to this musical instrument. My lifelong friend who now understands, who takes away my pain, who understands my pain and speaks for me. And so we transpose ourselves and we put ourselves into these inanimate objects because I think there's a loneliness in our lives, a loneliness that we try to express. And when you look around, you know, when you look around, there aren't enough people. Who can understand the way you understand it 's a very lonely place, even for people who are surrounded by people, they will confess that there is a loneliness and I think poetically, when we go and we we um, find these surrogates, whether it is uh, a tar, a guitar, or a teddy bear teddy bear. I saw that last night actually that 's what prompted today 's show last night, we had a wonderful presentation. It was artwork that came to us, actually photographs that came to us from Artsakh, pre- and post-war by Dr. Marina Merch, uh, let's see, what is it? Merchitadian. And you know what? I did talk to her after the show, and I asked her if she would be a guest. She's, she said yes, hopefully next week I'll have her as a guest here on The Next Step. But Dr. Marina had taken these beautiful pictures, and one that really spoke to me a very beautiful print, a photo, it's of a teddy bear just thrown down on the floor among the ruins. And you start thinking about the child that lost this teddy bear. And yeah, we look at the teddy bear and perhaps the image of the child, the injuries the child he or she has sustained are so horrendous that we ourselves transpose our pain onto this teddy bear and we look at it and we say oh what a horrible thing war is because the alternative image can you know cannot be seen they're unacceptable they're inhumane you're not going to put that in so these these objects whether it's a guitar it's a, a teddy bear whatever it may be they stand in for us they're the surrogates right And uh, we almost deputize them into this role. We put them into this role. So I look at this image of the aftermath of war and I see a teddy bear. And you start thinking about the child that has lost that teddy bear. And you realize that that child now, that child is uh, is the victim of this war. And these are... This is the power, first of all, of symbols, the power of images, the powers of photography, of of poetry, as opposed to just me standing up and saying, you know, war is a bad thing. Imagine you have a way now of conveying an emotion. We all agree that war is a bad thing. If I got up on a platform and I said we've got to stop war, and they'd say yes, Father Boscan is against war. But when you show this image, you are tra- you are going across a broad, broad spectrum of emotions. You are touching people right in th- right where it hurts, and uh, with, with the hope that with them hurting, they are going to walk to action. They are going to move to action. That somebody's going to do something about it. And so a lot of times when we focus in on the arts, it's much more than a photograph, a painting, uh, a, a song. It's a way of touching people where it really matters. As as this picture did last night. There was a surrogate. Exploded. It was a picture of a, of a bear, a teddy bear. She also had another image which was an image of a um, battered and tattered suitcase. And it reflected the the plight of the Armenian people. You know, it, it was in the rubble of the war and people walking out. And, you know, all of this started uh, just clicking today. And as it always does, you know, it's like one connects to the other, connects to the other. It was just last week that in the Armenian papers, we were so excited. I mean, this is in May. This is not even in April, right? Armenians are like so excited right now because somebody in the State Department or in the executive branch, somebody in America, I can't remember who it was, but it made headlines all over and Armenia is just like tweeting it and sharing it and all this is exciting somebody in a high office said the Armenian genocide happened and we will never allow it to happen again (laughs) (laughs) can you believe that they said that today in 2022 we will never let it happen again well hey folks get real the holocaust happened get real Cambodia happened Rwanda happened, Bosnia happened, we saw Darfur, and guess what? It's happening right now. It's happening right now throughout the world. So what do you mean it'll never again, never happen again? Get with the program. These are phony words uttered by phony politicians. Well, no, excuse me. I am completely wrong. They're phony words uttered by politicians. Because, you know, I don't want redundancy. A phony politician, there you are, right? (laughs) I mean, these people are really wild. I I guess they are charged. They're supercharged because people listen to them. People put them on these pedestals. And we say, oh, this politician, we got to hear. Well, they are powerful. I mean, look, look what Putin's doing. Just turned over the world, right? Look what's going on. And these are just people that get political... Strength, because people have allowed them to have that strength. We have put them into these positions. It's no, no different than the late night show hosts or the comedians, you know. Just the, over this past weekend in Buffalo, there was 10 people killed. You know, 10 people killed. And these people now became separated into white and black Instead of referring to people, we're now referring to white and black. And we're saying that, okay, a white supremacist did it. Horrible, horrific. President Biden said it well. We can't let it win. You can't let it win. It's got to end someplace. But we have to go after the root, too. And the root includes some very uncomfortable things that we have to admit. That racism is very real. Racism is happening. And it's not just a one-way racism. Racism. A few months ago, David Chappelle was on, uh, it was was in the crosshairs of so many people because I think one of the, um, what was it? I think Netflix. Somebody was canceling his show or had put a warning out and everything. And so I, I took a look at it. I, I lasted about five minutes. It was just about five minutes. I couldn't listen to the rest of it. It wasn't comedy. What it was is just more racist ranting. Chris Rock, we heard him on the, uh, was it the Grammys? Yeah, the one where he he got punched. (laughs) And, you know, that took away the steam of everything. But go and watch the tapes of it afterwards, what happened. He announced the next winner and he announced it as four white guys won. Something that just, Why? Why are we back to this kind of thing? Why why are we talking at this level? And you look around and you see okay, somebody walks into uh, walks into this community and kills ten people. Why aren't we saying ten people? Instead, we have to identify them as black people. I understand. I completely understand. Black lives do matter. They do matter. And we need to emphasize that because they are often forgotten. But the compassion needs to come along with it. We need to understand we can't just throw that out like a, a, well, it's a different kind of surrogate, isn't it? Late night talk shows. They call it comedy. What's, What's comedic about it? I mean, they're making jokes about the war in Ukraine, about Putin. This is real life and death. What are you making jokes about it? But, you know, that's the American way of doing it. Having fun. Laughing. Let's laugh through it all. Well, what it does is it desensitizes us to the pain. And that's something we don't want to talk about. Uh, We remember that after the advent of the video games, people were just blowing up. And, and people said, well, it's desensitizing. It's no, 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 we're not. You know, there was a whole generation that watched war movies. Well, yeah, they watched war movies. And what do we got? We, we still got war. I mean, doesn't it bother anybody that we are in the 21st century and the only way we have of solving issues, solving problems, is by dropping bombs on people? When this war first happened... I was out there talking about like what are we doing we're in the 21st century and we're like Nero right Nero who's fiddling while Rome is burning our world is burning and we're just like looking and saying oh that's too bad that's too bad let's go talk let's go do something well we're going to support and today what's happening is Finland and uh, Sweden are putting in applications to join NATO In other words, more toughness. Toughness breeds toughness. Quite different from what the Christian concept is, right? Do not resist evil. That's a tough one. It's a tough one because Jesus said it, but also because in reality we know that might is always very powerful, or so it seems, until you look at the bigger picture, you know who did a lot of work with this was uh, Leo Tolstoy. He wrote about the kingdom of God. He wrote about nonviolent resistance. He wrote about pacifism in in his passion, and I highly recommend that you read some of his books. Again, look for the show notes. I'll put in some uh, I'll put in some things. Last night, I had an opportunity to see all of these pictures to see all of these photos taken in Artsakh, pre- and post-war. They were very moving. Next week, if we can, we'll have the artist there to share it with you. It got my mind to thinking about how we transpose the pain and we put it on others. We have others live our lives for us, right? We have other people do our work for us. Today, we find opportunities to hire people, which is good. Yes, I'm not speaking against uh, hiring, but we hire people to live for us as well. Yeah, we do. Think about entertainment. Think about sports. I I can't go out there and kick a soccer ball at this age, but I will go to a soccer game and watch it and enjoy it. And in a way, somebody's living it for me. I can't play music the way a beautiful musician can play, but I'll go and pay my ticket and have somebody else live it for me. And And we we fill our lives with all kinds of entertainment. And basically, it's that entertainment is a way of allowing other people to live that life that we should be living. We all have it within us to do all kinds of beautiful things. And most importantly, we have it within us to bring about peace. But it takes work. It takes honest-to-goodness work to be able to negotiate, to talk, to share. And probably the greatest thing that it takes is it takes time. It takes time. And it's so much easier to press a button and drop a bomb on somebody than to go out there and say, let's really work for peace. The victim, the child... To that child we offer this song. One of my favorite lullabies. Playing the Beatles for a second time today. Again, same album, the White Album. This is called Good Night, Ringo Starr, doing the vocals there. Whenever I hear this song, I, I, I just think about childhood. And today in the topic that we're talking about with the teddy bears, just an opportunity for us to think about those poor children, the victims of war that are often forgotten. That, you know, we talk about the casualties. You go open the news today and you see about factories and today bridges were bombed, buildings were destroyed. There's human life inside these buildings. And it's the children that, that cling on to a surrogate, cling on to that teddy bear for just a, a little bit of hope. Good night by the Beatles. Back to our show Surrogates, people, things, objects, inanimate objects that we have, we deputize for them to stand in for us with a special role, purpose, sometimes to take away our pain, sometimes to hug, sometimes to hold, sometimes to talk to, right? Like a little teddy bear, like a doll. We've always heard about surrogates, people who take on the role of motherhood, a surrogate mother, but I want you to broaden your broaden your outlook for a few minutes because I'm going to take you someplace else which may be uncomfortable I, I imagine it will be uncomfortable for people but I, I think that it's worth thinking about it's really worth challenging ourselves about when we talk about surrogate okay a teddy bear is, becomes a friend a best friend that we can talk to a guitar is something that we could write about and we become poetic about we talk about it weeping it, it gently weeps not only weeps but gently weeps as we look at the situation of the world well we're talking about ourselves weeping right our our sorrow right okay now i want you to step it up a little bit and let, let me tell you this is not for the faint at heart you you can just the fast forward to the end. If you don't feel like listening to this, or you could, um, you could just turn it off right now. <laughs> people who write me, you know, they. I sometimes people who write me and tell me about, oh, you shouldn't have said that. You know, there, there is a solution. Just don't listen to me, right? Okay. How about surrogates in our faith, in our religion? The ultimate surrogate is, of course, Jesus Christ. Someone that we have deputized to stand in for us. And our religion has done a good job of doing that for us, right? That we needed somebody. We needed the scapegoat. We needed somebody to take the blame. We used to have animal sacrifices, but no more. We don't need to sacrifice to God. Jesus Christ was the ultimate sacrifice who came and laid himself up on a cross, or God put him on a cross, or the different scenarios, all of which point to the surrogate understanding of a Christ. One, if you push it a little bit farther, you understand where we get into concepts of things like cheap grace, right? It just becomes so much easier. So, you know... You know, those of you who have been listening know that I have an issue with all of the trappings that we have. The most recent of which is probably in the last 20, 25 years in the Armenian church, this custom of of tying the little string around your hand and you've heard me talk about it so on holy thursday where we read the seven gospels somewhere along the way maybe about 20 25 years ago in the middle east this developed somebody said okay this is a long night and jesus does tell us be stay awake stay awake with me and it is a long night because in the Armenian Church we go through the entire passion of our Lord Jesus Christ by recounting and reading the entire Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the narrative of Jesus Christ's passion from his betrayal, actually from the Last Supper, all the way to through his betrayal and his sentencing uh, to the crucifixion. And um, it, as a way of staying awake and alert... They passed out these little strings to people and said that every time you hear a gospel being read, make a little knot in there. This will help you stay awake, right? So look how this developed, okay? <laughs> this little string uh, now is become this pastime. So much so that last, uh, last Holy Thursday, just a few weeks ago, about a month ago, Uh, that's the Thursday before Easter. What was Easter? It was April 17th. Wow, it's exactly a month ago. Okay. So, uh, on that Holy Thursday, as we were doing the service, there was a major commotion in the church. And I I stopped the service. I actually had to stop the service. I said, what's going on? And they're fiddling around with this string. Like, how do you make the knot? How do you tie it? Where do you tie it? Can you imagine? Yeah, you can imagine if you've seen it. It's just unbelievable. But it's no different than fighting for grapes, fighting for basil, and all assortment. One more thing that we've added is now uh, pomegranates. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, just leave it for right now. Basically, it's all the trappings. And I've spoken so much about it that I I don't want to go into it anymore. Except I wanted to bring out this small little tidbit of information, as, as sort of like an epilogue, okay? We've talked about that string being on your, your arm. So, what this little practice of staying awake during the Gospel readings and making these little knots in this string then became an object that you would wear, and as the tradition is, that you would wear it until Ascension Day, which is next Thursday, right? 40 days after Easter. 40 days after Easter Jesus ascends so now it's okay to cut it and now it's not enough to just cut it you can't put it in the trash because it's holy so now the tradition has expanded that you have to burn it (laughs) all from a small little thing okay an exercise to stay awake has now transferred into an entire ritual. It's a now a ritual. And you will find this in many of the Armenian churches, primarily among those people from the Middle East. For some reason, it began over there. I would say in uh, in uh, Lebanon, in Syria, uh, this, this practice became very common and has now come over to the States. So much so that they are now, they are now looking they come to that holy thursday evening looking for the string not looking for christ not looking for the story not looking for the passion but looking for the string so that they could do it it's a little piece of string by the way okay all right so i've got to just do this as an epilogue yesterday yesterday i was at the i was at the church and um, somebody came up to me I was talking to somebody else, and somebody came up to me and said, uh, Father, can I ask you a question? What is the string, and where can I get some? I noticed people are wearing it. And just as I was going to explain this, the person I was talking to first said, Oh, that string is for people that are not married. You tie it, and you wait, and if you keep it on until Ascension Day... Um, God will give you a very, uh, a, a very nice. I, I forgot if if he said it was a uh, pretty or just the right partner. Okay, you'll get the right partner, pretty girl or pretty boy, handsome boy, whatever it is. He said something, but basically now there is an added layer. to this this little string, okay? Not only do you have to wear it, you have to tie it and wear it until Ascension Day, but now God is going to give you a partner in love. So, wow, this is exciting now. Now we've got one more layer, one more dimension. It's no different than the surrogates. In other words, we are now adding on because we cannot handle it. In the case of war, it's such an overwhelming overwhelming, beyond what our senses can handle. And if it not just but a little child who holds a teddy bear, I would venture to say that there are grown people who are grabbing for whatever resembles a little bit of humanity, a little bit of what they are... Accustomed to have and grabbing it and holding it, I will confess that there are inanimate objects that I would love to just hold because they have a certain aura, a certain energy. One of which is a cross that I wear that my that my mother wore, and in in a sense, I feel like by wearing that, you know, there's a part of her, something that she wore. It's close to me. This is the whole idea of surrogacy, too, right? And the same thing with Jesus Christ. We throw it on him. Jesus went to the cross for me, we said. He gave his life. He sacrificed his life for me so that I could live. Oh, that's really beautiful. These are beautiful, beautiful ideas, The surrogacy. But what's our obligation? I mean, does that just like say, okay, we're off the hook now? I guess so. I guess in theological corners it does. People feel very comforted and, you know, isn't that the bottom line for religion? It should comfort you. But it also should not give you false hopes. It should not create a false reality, let me say it that way. And a lot of times it does. So much so that we think that these things are the important, these surrogacies are important, and we forget that we have an obligation to the world, an obligation to our surroundings. To the people that we inhabit this earth with. Where's our obligation to help? To bring about peace, to feed the homeless, to clothe the naked, to visit the sick, to give hope to those who are suffering. Where's that obligation? And well God will take care of them. Man, that's very nice. That's very nice to say. <laughs> but that God becomes a surrogate too. We deputize him and we say, Okay, take my place right now. I know I'm a sinner, I know I've done bad things, but Jesus Christ has taken away my sins. He's washed me. He's washed me thoroughly from my sins. And we get you know, it's it's a way of coping with something that is incomprehensible. When you think about it, it's just as bad as war. It's all the, the sin, all the extra baggage that we take on ourselves. By being what? By being human, by not being God. We, 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 have, we sin. We fall short of the mark. We are not God. That's it. We're, it's our fall from perfection. You know, in a few weeks, we're going to start a new show called Apologetics on Epostle. It's going to feature Ani Shahinian. Yes, the same one that you heard a few months ago. She was on our show. I, I interviewed her um, from Oxford University. And she's going to be doing a show for us called Apologetics. And you know what, Apologetics, it sounds horrible, but it's basically apologizing for the faith. Well, not so much. It's back, It's reasoned arguments or writings in justification of something typically a theory or religious doctrine think about it in this in this sense christianity the most basic basic fundamental understanding of jesus christ you you cannot escape the two events that are um, that bookmark jesus christ's life here on earth namely his birth and his death both of them supernatural right I mean, you have to believe that he was Jesus Christ was born; he was immaculately conceived. You have to believe, on the other side, after his death, he was resurrected. Both things that go against everything that you know, that that life, that that your experience has taught you. Human life doesn't come about; it, it there is no just magical conception like that, immaculate conception. It takes a sperm, and an egg to create a human embryo and thereby life. Same thing on the other side, right? Everything that you know, everybody who has gone into a cemetery has not come out. You've watched them bury; You haven't seen anybody come out. And now, to buy into the Jesus story, you have to buy into these things, which seem illogical. And what apologetics is, this is all it is. It's like a logical... It's using... It's using the art of reason to really go through them, go through these facts, and find out that, yes, it is okay to believe. It can be believed. It can be understood. That's what apologetics is. And you'll get a taste of it in a few weeks when we debut this new show. We're very, very excited about it. But for our discussion right here, to think about the entire idea of surrogacy within within Christianity— it has become very popular for us to throw around these kind of um, statements. They're all, I, I was going to say it. I didn't want to cheapen it, but it is. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about cheap grace. And in a sense, these are cheap slogans, right? And, you know, in pre- preparing for today and, and thinking about this, I've realized that my entire ministry for the last 40 years, has been about getting away from this cheapness. These cheap slogans. Like in other words, when we say Christ is risen, it's got to mean something. It's not just a substitute for Happy Easter. When we say Christ is born and revealed, it's not just a substitute for Merry Christmas. It's got to mean something. He's born and revealed in my life. He is resurrected and therefore I have an opportunity to resurrect as well. What can I do? Am I willing to go through that crucifixion? Surrogacy would say, no, Jesus went through it. Don't worry about it. He's got you covered. Yeah, that's fine. But it takes the obligation and the responsibility off of my life. And I'm here to live that life. And if you look at Jesus' message throughout the Gospels, there's one thing for certain, that you are called to a life of living. Not a life of surrogacy. Not one where you throw everything on Christ, but you actually live it. The point of the talents is exactly that. The man who has five, the man who has two, and the man who has one. The man who has one is the one who is scared to live his life. The man who has one, yes, starts off life disadvantaged, but he doesn't take he doesn't use the opportunity to use his talents. And we are all in the same in the same life thing. We start off at a disadvantage, right? We start off completely helpless. I think humans are the one species of animals that it takes so long before we can be self sufficient. What does it take? Like two years, three years before you could be self sufficient? I I yeah, I, I think it's about two years, right? I mean, a horse just is born and then all of a sudden it just stands up, you know, making these noises and heeing and hawing. (laughs) Not so with a human being. You leave a human being for a few hours at birth and it's over. After a few days, you leave a human being for a few more hours and it's over. After a year, you can't do it. They can barely survive. It's about two years, two and a half years before they could maybe, maybe possibly survive. We are all born disadvantaged. But what God gives us is these talents, different talents in different ways. And those talents come to us by us looking, not just by miracle, not by opening our eyes, but by us turning inward. What was, who was it, Socrates, who said, an unexamined life is not worth living? Well, what is that all about? It's about examining so that you find Seek and you shall find. You have to do that. Yeah, there it is. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. You have to do something before the door will be opened. You have to open your eyes to see. And we sometimes forget about this, especially when we start living a life dependent on surrogates. Today we picked on this little teddy bear. It was very sad. And for a child caught in war, it might be the, the lifeline. I would, I would venture to say a teddy bear is a lifeline. It is that one way of making it through a very difficult, unexplainable situation where grown-up people, human beings, well, that's an insult to, to that word human, right? Where these people find no other way of solving their situation than to destroy one another. It's horrendous. And so you latch on and you find something that will give you some kind of meaning in your life. I don't blame children. I don't blame it. Let's not become part of that. Let's not find ourselves in the same thing and step up to the plate of taking on obligation of understanding that this world is given to us by God and we are the custodians we are the caretakers and it behooves us each of us to find and exploit the talents that God has given us so that we can use that in our lives to bring about well what Jesus brought what Jesus brought into this world the night that he was born what the angels proclaimed peace on earth and goodwill Toward one another. The pianist has arrived. A lot of goodwill. <laughs> Here's Susie.
1: Before getting back to the next step with Father Vosgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you. That this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The next step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to The Next Step with Father Vosgen.
0: Thank you, Susie, and thank you all of you for, um, for all of your love and your support. Your letters... We are uh, in in final days of negotiation and transition into a new format. And hopefully, I keep telling you that we're getting there and we're almost there, but it looks like we're a little bit closer. So within the next few weeks, you'll be seeing some new stuff being offered to you on ePostle. And uh, in the meantime, I invite you to get involved in all of our online activity involved in following us on the socials and, of course, at in- I want to thank you for joining us on behalf of the wonderful team that put together today's show. Susie, our producer, and me, Father Voskin. I look forward to taking this next up with you again next week.
1: And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely if ever remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskulledness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. The and production crew vpuzzle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience not valid with any other offer i
0: forgot to ask you if uh, you you're seeing the same sky as we are uh, bye